Our first uh, reading this evening can be found uh, uh, in Psalm 96. I'm going to be reading the whole of Psalm 96, which is on page 602 of the Church Bibles. So Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord All you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it, let the fields be jubilant and everything in them, let all the trees of the forest sing for joy, let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Our second reading this evening is taken from the second chapter of the letter to the Hebrews, and you'll find that on page 1201 of the Bibles in the pews. And I will be reading the first four verses of the second chapter of the letter to the Hebrews. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received is just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed among according to his will. Thank you very much, John. Um, good evening, everyone, again. Please do keep the Bible open, page 1201. And I'm going to pray. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Lord, we pray that you would help us to get our focus right, focus of our minds, focus of our hearts 
that we would sing of your great salvation, which is ours in the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, as you know, I've just got back this afternoon from the TNG weekend away, and we had, as we said, a fantastic time at the retreat centre we were at is about an hour's drive away from here. So it's not that far, but you definitely benefit from having a sat-nav to find it. And I have Josh's permission to tell this little story. Back in November or December, Josh and I had an advance visit to this retreat centre to just see what it was like and check it out. And we don't have a sat-nav in our car, but as I had Josh with me, he has a sat-nav on his phone. So I was relying on Josh to pay careful attention to that sat-nav. And I'd been driving along for a little while without having received any direction and came to a roundabout and said, Josh, where should I go? And Josh replied very calmly and in not too dissimilar an accent from that of the sat-nav on his phone. Go all the way around the roundabout and back the way you came. (laughs) The point is, if you don't pay attention you are going to drift off course. And that's the warning of tonight's reading. It's a clear warning to pay attention to what we have heard about Jesus. Because if you stop paying the most careful attention to him, you will drift off course. And it might not be too far off course at first. Turned out Josh and I hadn't gone too far off our course. And it might be that just like the sat-nav got us back on course when we came back to paying attention to it, you may hear this warning tonight and you may think, actually, I haven't been paying very much attention to Jesus and you will determine to get back on course and you can do that. But if you keep on drifting without paying careful attention to what we have in Jesus passage tonight says you need to be warned that you will end up actually in an entirely different destination from the one you might have thought. Not receiving the great salvation that this reading talks of and our psalm sings of. But rather as this passage puts it, receiving a just punishment for going against God's ways. So pay attention so that you do not drift into God's punishment. And there are just sort of two headings, two themes tonight as we go through. We'll kind of alternate between them as we just work through the verses. Pay attention. Don't drift. So verse 1 then. Pay attention. It says we must pay the most careful attention, therefore. To what? To what we have heard so that we do not drift away so following all that we've seen in chapter one the last few weeks god this is what we've heard that god has spoken to us in his son jesus he's the supreme revelation of god he's the supreme salvation we have that in him so that we can stand clean before god jesus is The son, the one who rules over everything, the most exalted being in the universe, we heard last week. Therefore, says the author to Hebrews, we must pay the most careful attention 
to what we have heard from Jesus and about Jesus. And that phrase, the most careful attention, you cannot overstate it in the translation of that original word. When you look it up, it's, it's a word which means more, how much more. To a greater degree, more earnestly, even more superabundantly, pay attention. So we're not to just ask, am I paying some attention? And that's probably enough. Yeah, I think I'm probably paying enough attention to Jesus. But are we paying the most careful attention? Almost to be continually dissatisfied that we'd want to be paying even more careful attention, which is not to say that we should become really severe on ourselves. And if you're not doing 18 hours of Bible study a day, you're in some trouble. It's rather think of it like hunger. That you're always hungry for more, rather than just satisfied with the odd nibble here and there. Paying most careful attention to what we've heard means you're always hungry to hear more about it, to understand the Bible better, to want to read more good stuff, hear more good stuff that will help me with that, to be seeking out the resources that will help me address the questions that we're all facing in our time and the issues that are confronting us, to be wanting to meet with God's people as often as we can, or praying with people, having good conversations with other Christians, being spurred on, being reminded of the gospel and seeing it at work in the lives of other Christians so that you can see that it is true and it makes sense to live by it. We must earnestly, to a greater degree, more superabundantly pay attention to what we've heard so that... We do not drift, as it says there, so that we do not drift away. Because if you're a Christian, there is always something that's trying to just tug you off course. It's not being pessimistic to say that, that's just true. If times are particularly tough, you're going through a a really hard time, can cause you to drift because it's just hard to summon the energy to pay careful attention to Jesus if things aren't tough and you're living your life day by day out in the world well that can cause you to drift not least because you're being subjected to and are subconsciously absorbing all sorts of messages and ways of thinking and worldviews that are out there whatever the case in our lives, it is just so easy to tick along day by day. This is my to-do list for today. Work through it. Very good. Finish that. Go to bed. Get up. This is my to-do list for the next day. And so on and so on and so on. So easy to just drift through being bounded to our to-do lists that you forget who you are and the one that you're doing it for child of God adopted because of Jesus you're serving him day by day so easy to forget that and just to start to 
drift. And drifting, if you think about it, is, is always subtle at first. Those old paradoxes of motion. When do you start to notice that you've drifted? Sometime after you started to drift. You probably don't notice it at first. Just a, a little compromise here that, that, that doesn't seem too significant. Maybe a chance taken somewhere on, on maybe a question of wisdom. You know, you might say, well, I know it's probably not wise to date a non-Christian, but I also know that in some instances it works out okay, so I'll take the chance. You can just start to drift there. Maybe it's some life decision that causes you to up and move and sometime later you realise you never really considered whether you were upping and moving to somewhere that had a good church where you'd be encouraged and hear good Bible teaching. Maybe it's a gradual encroachment on weekends so that missing church starts as a rare occurrence and it gradually becomes more frequent. And then it's, so I'm ever so sorry, you won't be in church for a while. And so on. Maybe it's a change in routine that just crowds out Bible and prayer. That can be a deliberate choice to change our routine. It can be something that's just forced upon you. You have children. There you go, your routine has changed. And will change every six months thereafter. Drifting is subtle at first. And because it's subtle, it is so easy to do. Which is why I think it's so important that the warning here, do you see the word it starts with? We. The author here is, is in it with them. And you see how it stays first person plural throughout. We, us. We must pay careful attention. Because if it just said, you, you must pay careful attention. Well, you almost just give up now. If it's just you on your own, having to pay careful attention, you are going to struggle. But it doesn't say you. It says we must pay the most careful attention. Together, there's this sense that's going to develop throughout Hebrews of spurring one another on, meeting together, and saying, hey, everybody, come on. Which is, which is what we do in church, isn't it? That's what church is. We get together and together we encourage one another and we get our focus back where it should be. So you can see from that how you'd expect church to often feel like a struggle and a bit of an effort to come along and be here. If you think that church is always just going to be somewhere where you'll walk in and your attention is instantly going to be grabbed it's going to be entertaining it's going to there's going to be the the, the, the singing is going to be uplifting and um, everything's going to be wonderful and it will entertain everybody and your thinking's going to be stretched in new ways that um, week by week you know well sometimes hopefully not a rarity but this is where we come together and we're all of us like boats that are just liable to drift off in various directions. And we're seeking to encourage one another and get each other back on course. 
that's frequently going to feel like hard work. You know, all these boats just liable to drift here and there, and we've got to stick the oars in and get it to turn. Go in the right direction. And that's if just rowing boats are the correct analogy for us. What if we're more like cruise liners? And we've got to be corrected. That's the kind of spurring and encouraging one another on that's going, going on when we meet. It's going to make meeting hard. So I ought not to be too surprised if I stand up to preach and I see that 90% of the faces are glum and tired. Maybe I should be surprised if the figure's that low. Musicians, perhaps, ought not to be too surprised when they, they play wonderfully well and hardly anyone seems to be really going for it in their singing. You ought not to be surprised if you come here and it, it feels like an effort. Maybe it does tonight, you know. Loads of us been away on the weekend away. We're half like zombies. It's a cold night. Evidently quite a few people not here. It feels like an effort. Did you think at the start, oh, maybe I shouldn't have bothered? It's going to be an effort. Because we're stopping ourselves from drifting. We're saying, hey! Come on, everybody. Let's get our attention back on Jesus. So ask yourself, across the whole of your life, am I willing to put effort in to pay the most careful attention to Jesus, to what I've heard? And maybe you can just ask yourself right now, what is the thing actually in my life that I need to do to make sure of this? And it could just be pretty basic stuff to say, am I really focusing on Jesus day by day? Or has that just fallen off my normal routine? Maybe it's some question, some issue that you're struggling with. And you, you just need to give some more thought to it. Seek out other Christians to talk to. Find something to read. Maybe it's quite simply that you're thinking, um, I do need to meet with Christians more regularly. You need to make sure that happens. And preferably the same bunch of Christians as much as possible. And also ask yourself, what is it? What is the thing at the moment that's actually trying to tug me off course in my life right now? I said there's always going to be something. What is it? Might not be a bad thing in and of itself. Just maybe increased work, pressure of something, exams. Maybe life is just hard and it's just weariness. What is it? Just name that to yourself. And then as, as you glance around, think, well, we're in it together. We're here to help each other keep focus. So you're going to be a helper. 
to everyone else. You're going to be willing to be helped as well. It will take effort, but it's more than worth doing because as the passage goes on, we see this as really serious. Drifting is dangerous and it becomes a matter of salvation. It becomes a matter of where we end up for eternity, heaven or hell. It's that serious. So we have verse 2. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. Yeah, we know that's true as we read through the Old Testament. The message spoken by through angels was the law. And when the people ignored it so soon, that generation died in the wilderness. They never made it to the promised land. And similar lessons we, we see again and again through the Old Testament. God gives us the law, summed up as we're to love God with everything we've got, we're to love our neighbour as ourselves. And it's binding. We break that law, we face his just punishment. And it's only because we've got each other to readily measure ourselves against that we might think that that sounds harsh or that we think actually we're probably okay. But if God were to appear here tonight in all his splendor and holiness and goodness, we wouldn't think it was harsh. We would know we're not worthy to come into his presence. And we would know that we are entirely deserving of his just punishment. Every single one of us. We have not loved God as we should. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We confessed it earlier on. And if you could see deep into my heart, for just one day I would be so ashamed. And you would be too if I could see into yours. And God can see into all of them. So verse 3, how can we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? We can't. Obviously we can't. We have this great problem, which is that we deserve God's punishment and to be everlastingly shut out from his presence. That's what his law, which is binding, makes clear. A great problem. We have a great salvation. How can you escape the great problem if you ignore the great salvation? Like how, can you ignore, how can you escape drowning if you ignore the, the rope that's thrown to save you? Or however many other analogies. We have this great salvation, which is that Jesus makes purification for our sins in the language of chapter 1. He comes into the world, the Son of God, the one who made everything, is made a little lower than the angels for a while, and he becomes our priest. The one who does everything necessary to bring us into the presence of God, he becomes our sacrifice. The one who offered himself in our place, whose blood is shed for us, who takes the punishment instead of us. And with him in heaven now, we have confidence to come into the presence of God. As we do when we pray. And we have assured hope that one day we will see him and be with him forever. It's a great salvation. How can you escape if you ignore the great salvation? 
The great salvation is not just the negation of what we deserve, like the settling of our account. It's more than that. It's the exact opposite of what we deserve. Like the great problem is we have a huge overdraft and the great salvation is not only that that overdraft gets paid off, but then a load of money gets put into our account. Millions and millions and millions. And too many noughts, you can't fit them on the statement. How can you escape if you ignore that? You can't, so don't ignore it, says the writer to the Hebrews. Pay the most careful attention to what you have heard. Pay careful attention to Jesus. Live by this. Chart every step of your life's course by it. Like you're steering a ship and you are carefully keeping track of exactly where you are going. Every decision, everything that happens to you, just every day. What course are you charting today? Pay careful attention to it so that you do not drift. It is not without serious consequences. Sometimes on films, you, it's, it's a scene that just seems to be um, pretty cliche in lots of films. They're on a raft, on a boat, they're drifting along this river. Everything seems fine. And then you hear the roar of the massive waterfall that they're about to go over. Drifting is not harmless. We must avoid it. Ah, so you say, what if I... Well, I just drift for a bit. You know, you gave me that get-out clause at the start. I'll turn back in a bit. It's like your sat-nav. I can go on for a bit, and then I'll pay attention to the sat-nav, and it will call me back. Yeah, it might work, but you don't know how much fuel you've got in the tank. You do not know. Pay careful attention now. For those of us with younger children, it is our responsibility to give them every opportunity now to be paying careful attention and to make sure as far as we can that they are paying careful attention and not to wait until teenage years and then to start to see them drift at a point where the influence we have is less than it once was. It's a great salvation that we have. And just as we close with verse 4, it's a greatly attested salvation. To the person who says, ah, but, you know, I don't have enough evidence. Or the evidence is too flimsy. wouldn't stand up in a court of law. Or I saw this documentary. Or I watched Oprah. Or read this new book. Or whatever. And it said this, actually, you know. What do you make of that? Verse 4 says, no, you do have enough evidence. This is the word of God. If you believe this is the word of God, this is God saying, actually, no, you do have enough evidence. The historical figure of Jesus, his words and actions, the testimony of eyewitnesses, the miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit as the gospel spread, recorded in things like the book of Acts, but we hear other stories of that throughout history, investigate the evidence. There is enough. 
Do not be swayed by clever sounding people who say that the evidence is insufficient. God says that it is. And he's pretty clever. It's a great salvation. Greatly attested. We, we, together, must pay careful attention to it. Shall we pray? Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Lord, we pray that you would be at work in our hearts tonight and as we go from here, that we would be renewed in our resolve to be disciples, learners, following Jesus and paying very careful attention together to what we have heard. That we would be singing the songs of this great salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus. And that our lives would be changed by that and governed by him. For we pray it in his name. Amen.